Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. You're with Bite Into It. We've got Ro Murray. Good evening, everyone. Paul Callahan. Hello. And I'm Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for being with us this evening. We're excited because the Melbourne International Comedy Festival opened today and runs until the 24th of April, and we have some comedic guests. We're going to speak to the brothers behind Game Boy's comedy about their show Escape to the Megaverse, and uh, somehow it's all going to be relevant to tech, and well, it's going to be a very Wizard of Oz sort of, you know, man behind the curtain <laughs> scenario, I think. Oh, we've, just, we've just changed what the show is, like without telling anyone. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. And um, not to be taken lightly, we're going to kick Paul out of the studio and um, talk about the budget later on in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think the budget chat is going to be an interesting one. It is for nerds like us anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look forward to it. But, uh, Paul, what's been going on in news this week? Started kicking kicking the show off by getting kicked off Twitter, um, if you haven't seen this. Or if you're a bit like us and probably spend too much time on the awful, awful bird site, um, there's a new feature or, a, or an app that someone has built called Megablock, and you can visit megablock.xyz. Um, and it lets you nuke a tweet. And by nuking, it means if you don't like a tweet, you can block the tweet and then you can block its author. And then you can also block every single person who liked it with a single click. I don't I, know if I'm ready for this sort of power. I am on board. I'm 100% on board. I'm so here for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like any, anything that makes me spend less time on the terrible on the hell site. Seems like a great idea, doesn't it? Uh, I tell you what, anything that helps you curate that feed so it's got, you know, more ducks and warm fuzzy things <laughs> and what your mates are doing and jorts the cash is a really good thing. So I'm doing it wrong. I've got no ducks, zero ducks. Oh. I have a duck of ducks if you're a cricket fan. Oh, oh, right. No, I'm more interested in things like duck of the day, fox of the hour, <laughs> <laughs> cats in awkward situations. Fox of the hour, you don't say. Yeah, I just I just get a photo of a – It's it, they're all bots. They're all cute animal bots and I love them. They cheer me up. <laughs> I would be too scared. Or maybe I would accidentally nuke a fox and like I'd, be, I'd just be like, oh, no, I've gone too far. Me- mega block the wholesome yeah, foxes. Blo- yeah, no, maybe I don't want this much power. Maybe it's you're getting right, very Vanessa. poetic. <laughs> Nuka Fox, Mega Block the Fox. It's great. It's great. Anyway, have fun with that, people. Go explore. (laughs) Yeah, so anyone tuning in, we are biting what you're talking to the nerd channel. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, speaking of nerds, um, Google has put through some controversial changes to their workspace privacy settings. Um, They were announced a couple of months ago, but they come into effect today. Um, the, The controls are around their web and app activity and that particular control is being removed from the administrator control panel and will be split into a couple of different settings. So administrators will no longer have org-wide control over privacy settings. So for workplaces that have enabled Google in the enterprise, this is really who it's going to affect. It's not your average consumer user. The second change is um, a setting split. Oh, sorry. So one of the things that that Google changes, they're not going to honour any previous privacy settings that you had um, in terms of an organisation when they split these different controls. So those administrators need to jump right in and go and relook at all their settings and go, what do we need to set them at? Um, and they've just sort of separated web and app activity. They've got a new area called search history. Um, 
And that hasn't happened before. That that section hasn't existed before. So it will be about whether you track and save almost everything you do on a Google account or not and being workplaces. You know, the concern is obviously that they, you know, might do that. Um, also, it, Google could save any ads that you click on or things that you buy on advertisers' sites and a bunch of device information like recent apps that you've used or contact names you've searched for and, if applicable, your Chrome history and Android device diagnostics. So that's um, that's a that's a problem for you know a lot of people. If you're an organisation, a lot of the searches you're doing and things you're clicking on might be for acquisitions for your company or what have you. Mm. You can see immediately how this could reveal all sorts of relationships that could be in breach of insider trading laws, for example, or other things. It's just like how are you actually going to manage this? What does it mean? You know, do you need some advice? How are you going to go yeah, through this? I'm definitely in camp. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think as what what sort of like the, the the sort of the dark patterns that they seem to be deploying as well. Like there's there's one feature as you mentioned, Vanessa, search history, but that does not actually include your Google search. So it's like they're hiding. It feels like they're actively trying to hide some features. Yeah, it's um, an in- around yeah. it. So it just I don't. Yeah, I think. Yeah, logically, I would have assumed that Google search would have been one of the easiest and most trackable components of it to just have hey they spent 15 minutes this morning looking at socks instead of working on that acquisition paper (laughs) yeah also the other thing is you know if you're providing a separate enterprise tool you'd think that that sort of tracking would instantly be the stuff that you turn off because people are paying a tremendous amount of money to use your system for all these these things Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. anyway Ah. questions (laughs) abound i certainly do indeed um, so in terms of switching from workspace tech to social media sort of tech, mm. um, Ro, what have we seen? So there's uh, another really – this is a really substantial study about social media and it's uh, mostly going to appeal to those people who have teens or no teens. And um, this – just to, you know, give a bit of scope of the scale, this was a UK study, but it's analysed uh, social media and psychological data from 84,000 individuals aged between 10 and 80 years old. So we're getting a really, um, you know, broad cohort in terms of people's social media use, um, their mental health and their wellbeing across the main apps. And um, what was very interesting is um, – very specifically, it's affecting girls' mental health earlier than boys. So girls between the ages of 11 and 13 have a real spike in dissatisfaction and that's stemming from online bullying and, you know, that, that sort of body image, it's a perfect world out there, I'm not perfect, what Where am I going to do with in? my life kind yeah. of thing. Yep. And um, But it's hitting boys at around the ages of 14 to 15. And then it's colliding again and both at about the same age at 19 they're getting back into it and they have another big spike in that I'm not feeling much well-being anymore. So, yeah, so girls, younger ages, boys 14 to 15 and then at 19 they're coming together and both having a bit of a crack. It's so challenging, right? You know, I know a lot of people that age and when you imagine their lives, it can be very hard to have any sense of transparency about what their online experiences are. Mm. You know, it is something that's so hidden and private and personal. You know, no one's looking over your shoulder when you're on a device or on the internet. And the idea that you could be taking in all of this stuff that's having quite negative effects on your mental health is so worrying. Um, 
But I think no surprise about that age gap there. There's always been a little bit of, you know, conventional wisdom that the girls are maturing socially at a slightly different pace to boys and, you know, vastly generalising. Yeah, well, um, the study does reflect exactly that, Vanessa. mm. Um, They are saying that they think it's a combination of both that physical and enforced mental Mm. earlier maturation that girls are going through and it tends to affect And whatever your peer group's doing, you know, your sort of, yeah... Mm. It's equalising across that. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So just another little bit of proof that, um, you know, social media use does need to be managed, whether we're adults or whether we're, you know, in, you know, guardians of teens, we've all got to take the relevant breaks or mega blocks yeah. um, for, for our own well-being. And the sooner you can have conversations with young people about, you know, how's this making you feel, mm. you know it's not meant to make you feel bad and if it does you don't need to put up with that. Here's some techniques we can we can deploy to really help you out and, you know, if you're ever uncomfortable, please talk to someone you trust and, yeah, it's it's so challenging and, I yeah, mm-hmm. I think of my nieces and nephews. <laughs> it's just, yeah, really tricky. Oh, definitely. <clears throat> um, so shifting, shifting, we'll start pinging around a bit in the news, mm. um, but if you're interested in very, 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 very fast uh, CPUs uh, for your desktop, Intel have just uh, unveiled... Um, what they claim is the the world's fastest desktop um, CPU, <laughs> uh, delivering up to 5.5 gigahertz, which means it can probably go back in time. Um, it's the the 12th generation uh, of their CPU. Um, if you're interested in kind of specs, uh, like I said, up to 5.5 gigahertz max turbo frequency with an Intel thermal velocity boost. I love how they make these things sound quite grand. I love how they (laughs) use the the term turbo, which is, you know, something that's so borrowed from sports cars. (laughs) And as if you ever turn turbo off, you know, there's no talk about the sacrifice that you make when you press the turbo button and what's, yeah. I remember having a turbo button on my PC. I remember having a turbo in a Honda CRX. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a turbo in an Astina 323 and, um, yeah, lost my licence for three months. So that was great. I was on my P-plates till I was about 25, I think. (laughs) Oh, there's something about people attracted to tech field, I tell you what. (laughs) Well, hopefully the CPU wouldn't let you, wouldn't help you with losing your licence. It's got 16 cores. It's got eight performance cores and eight efficiency cores that can run 24 threads. Um, It runs at 150 watts processor base power, which seems quite high, so it's probably quite hot. Um, But yeah, so this comes sort of hot on the heels of a previous announcement from AMD, um, who announced what the Ryzen 7 at 58000X3D, claiming that was the world's fastest gaming processor. But I think this one beats it by about a full full gigahertz. It'd be fun to look at who they're marketing it towards because, you know, with with really fast processing, there's lots of excellent, you know, data crunching capabilities um, that you think would be ripe for, but often you only see these things advertised to gamers. Yep. Yeah, mm. and I think that that's where they're trying to land it. It's like, this, this is for game. Want, want more polygons, want more physics. Here you go, 5.5 gigahertz and, and 16 cores. It's kind of disappointing. What about, you know, the videographers? They've got things to render. <laughs> they, they could render faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm always interested in that very new sort of career path of being the online moderator and what a challenging path it is to navigate. Um, There's uh, been another lawsuit that's come from a bunch of content moderators, and this time it's been addressed to TikTok. Now, we've heard a lot in the Facebook and the, the Twitter spaces and YouTube and what have you, but um, not so much on the TikTok front so far. It's 
alleging the sorts of things that you'd expect and uh, it is quite an early time slot here so there's some some shocking sort of things if you can imagine shocking content on the internet then that's the sort of things that they're alleging that they have to see as content moderators um, and they've filed in a California district court um, against not just TikTok but the parent company ByteDance. They've accused the company of negligence, alleging that it fails to provide adequate care to protect moderators from harm and support them after reviewing such content. It's hard to imagine how much help would be enough if that was your full-time job and almost it seems to be a job design issue. It's like can someone actually be a content moderator and mm. have that be an ethically designed job? So it's a real um, challenge. So, uh, yeah, people are talking about, you know, developing anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorders as as results of their work. It's really hard to see how you have a safe work environment. Um, yeah, and it's just another one to watch. And I, I really hope that we start seeing different job design in this space really quickly because certainly no one's come up with better solutions. No, well, that's, that's the thing, you know, they're – what other option is there at this point? Um, and and certainly your more AI-driven moderation is still incredibly flawed, very much in its infancy. Um, and, you know, this is a problem that's probably not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, and there's plenty of, you know, clever people gaming systems that are meant to do AI-style moderation where you've got, you know, people pretending to do a makeup application video and getting their political messages across. And, you know, sometimes it's like more power to them, but it does speak to the incredible complexity that you're trying to deal with and people are throwing algorithms at the problem and they're <laughs> yeah. being outwitted by, you know, teenagers. Um, it's it's a sticky problem. Awful one too, yeah. Mm. Hey, so tons of stuff in news at the moment. It's kind of an exciting time to be to be reading things. It's, it's interesting how there's sort of as much – uh, progressive development as there is really shocking development. Yeah, it's, it's quite <laughs> Deeply traumatic job design issues. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but one thing I know that Triple uh, R listeners are always keen about is, is trying to figure out how are streaming services for music um, paying out artists lately. So Spotify have released their um, – their latest report on streaming and 2021 royalty data. So obviously it's it's Spotify, so it's, you know, their point of view. Um, and in 2021, they paid out more than any other service. So, you know, they're doing the, yeah, we look good in comparison, mm. but it's... Um, in comparison it's, being yeah, the key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they paid out seven billion dollars across last year, which is um, which has set the record for the highest annual payment from any single retailer in history, presumably for music. The year before, it was around five billion. So you know, it's it is really significant growth. Um, yeah, you just wonder what the alternate figure if they were getting more than point oh 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 cents a stream, exactly, um, and had more of say a Bandcamp style payment model. Um, yeah. What those figures would look like, and they would probably look like, oh, we're handing out a hundred billion dollars a year in revenues to artists, which would be brilliant. Could you imagine yeah. the scope of you know the the creative music industry? Yeah. So it, it's mm. pretty telling when they, they pull out the figure. We celebrated a new landmark this year with over 1,000 artists generating $1 million on Spotify alone. It's just like that's not very that's many not much. artists. <laughs> there are so many artists, you know, and it, it just really shows you, okay, so for those 1,000 artists, okay, that, that helps pay for, you know, a mortgage and a life. Mm. What sort of, 
yeah, pittances or other people getting. Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. worth a record. Uh, sorry, it's worth a read. It's called For the Record um, and Loud and Clear. If you sort of search for those to Spotify, you will find it. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. We are incredibly excited to be joined by Games Boys Comedy, um, which is a collaboration between brothers Eden and Joshua Porter and audiovisual designer Kinetic Screen. Um, they've been producing shows together over the last seven years and have become an award-winning team known for seamlessly combining technology and live performance in increasingly complex ways. Um, and they're going to be appearing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with their new show, Escape to the Megaverse. Um, thanks for joining us, Joshua and Eden. Thanks for having us. Cool. So um, just to, as to start us off, like, do you want to tell us about the show a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, in essence, like the easiest way to describe it's like a sketch show, but we have the framework of uh, being trapped in the megaverse and we've got to get out of the megaverse. But um, there's a big focus on technology and doing really interesting stuff. So we've got like a pan tilt zoom camera that we use. We have a screen on stage with us. And so there's a, a, there's a part in the show where um, we're using the camera to, to film members of the audience and, the, and we perform with them on stage while they're on the screen with us. Um, we've got a green screen set up as well. So we're utilizing that to integrate us into different scenes and perform with that as well. Um, so a big part of our shows is the the screen ends up really being a third performer on stage and using that in really interesting and dynamic ways. And we've even got for the first time this year, which is really cool, um, we've got a rotatable mount on it. So throughout the show, we can actually rotate between portrait and landscape, depending on what we want to do with it. Um, yeah, anything you want to add? Yeah, and it's uh, important to note, um, it's a sketch to the megaverse, not <laughs> metaverse. Don't want to get sued by anyone there. Oh, come on! Because <laughs> that was actually, because we were going to premiere this show at Fringe Festival last year. Um, and then that went digital online and it, and it was called Escape to the Metaverse. And then after that point, Zuck came out yeah. and caught, changed everything to Meta. And we're like, well, we've got to change ours now. So <laughs> thanks so much. Um, and like, we, I mean, we talk on the show a lot about kind of some absurd stories about around technology. But like, what what is funny to you about technology? Like, why a comedy show about that? Well, I think for us, we because it is just me and Josh um, doing the show. And so for us, technology really allows us to have sort of a third, quote unquote, brother with us on stage <laughs> because the, the screen itself becomes another character and, and we can it gives us another way to interact. So there's plenty of opportunities where just having me and Josh on stage wouldn't really be enough to really tap into making a premise work. And so then we do a lot of pre-records. We do a lot of green screen stuff where one of us will be projected onto the screen um, while we're live recording it off stage. So for us, it sort of opens up uh, a, a great new avenue to sort of tap into jokes. We did this one. Um, we did this one from one of our previous shows where we had a reporter. We went to a live reporter that we referred to as the man on the ground at the scene. And we actually filmed it by Josh was lying down on the floor and the camera was set up on the roof filming him on the ground so nice. he was literally a man on the ground what's great about the team we have um kinetic screen as well doing all the the av work so it's just an extra avenue for gags and so we kind of can't just get any tech to come in and run our shows it's so heavily integrated and like the timing of like so many of the jokes are reliant on hitting a cue a particular sound effect to play a particular visual gets played um, so it's, it's really fun as well to surprise audiences with this third performer who normally goes quite unnoticed, 
um, it's really nice to really bring them into the space in a, in a really direct way and just, yeah, just surprise people. I think that's the coolest thing for me. It's like people don't expect some of the stuff we're going to do or it's, you know, common things they've seen before just wrapped up in different ways and like, oh, wow, I just didn't really realize you could do that with a screen or a camera or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's very integrated into the, like, the things that we, we find funny that we want to tap into. So for us, we, there's a lot of nostalgia in like 90s sitcoms or like <laughs> old TV shows or movies we're really obsessed with. So to bring that in, you've got to use technology if you want to start playing with stuff like that. Like, for instance, in this show, we do um, we do a, a spoof if you on the uh, the Bachelor. So we do uh, we're looking for an understudy because Josh is being replaced at one spot. So for us to be able to um, splice in scenes from from the actual show, and we we do a sort of a parody on that. So the the best part of it is then we get the camera that then films audience members as the contestants. So <laughs> do, a, do a hard tight zoom and suddenly you're in the audience and suddenly you're you're like Janice, the uh, social media expert, 34. <laughs> and then you've got a, got a influencer, 23. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think just to, just to touch on one other thing with the with the technology. I think with the nostalgia in the 90s pop culture that we're a bit obsessed with, um, there's some stuff in our show that people haven't thought about for 20 years, 30 <laughs> years. And what you got to do, you see the thing, you hear the thing, the amount of sonic cues that mm. like flood back these memories, you can only do it by playing the sound or seeing the visual. So that's super important for us as well. So it can be some audience's worst nightmare to be to end up in an interactive sort of situation. Version of the Bachelor. Well, but, yeah, and, but no, no, no. When but people do hear that sort of aspect, they're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't like audience participation. But what, what we've been really good at um, throughout the time, it's very, it, it's sort of very natural how we implement it, and we make it very non-threatening in a yeah. in a way that we don't set you up. We, we set you up in a way that it's it's um, you're going to win. You're going to be the hero. You're going to be the hero yeah. of the scene. <laughs> the, the, you don't need to come up with the funny line. That's we very do all clever. the work for you. So as a result, if you just sort of wave into the camera, <laughs> the audience is going to love it. So we, we sort of <laughs> it makes it very yeah. 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 We're all so, waving at each other yeah. on the Skype video at the moment. So. <laughs> So do you find that um, you uh, maybe, you know, you're a couple of young guys, you kind of talk fast, you're up with the technology. Is your audience skewing towards younger people who like use TikTok and are pretty up with it? Nah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's, it's definitely hitting on that, that 90s nostalgia is really big and then it's, it's got that general appeal that is one thing we also really like to do is we don't like anyone left behind. Mm. So anything that's in the show, it either has to be independently funny or explained so everyone's up to speed. We don't it. like you Just might like the Marines here. It's great. <laughs> you, you might chuck in a few references, but we, we personally don't really like going to a show where you feel like, uh, I don't get it, I don't always get going on what's going on. Um, so, no, we, we definitely, I think, found our niche around our age um, and then younger. I think old, older, not so much. Well, but... well, mum and dad come and see the team. I think a lot of those jokes um, might actually go over there, but they, they liked our energy, you know? Oh, oh so that's supportive. just adorable. I love it. <laughs> well, I want to know how much uh, material you had to pull off VHS in order to use it for your 90s reference. <laughs> YouTube, if oh. YouTube didn't exist, well, we, would do, we would be ruined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're spending all your time in those like north and west Melbourne. We digitise your files yeah. <laughs> venues. You know. Well, we actually got. Um, we were doing research for our. Last, I think it was our last one. We we wanted to put into our trailer. Do you guys remember the um, Science Works? Um, what was it? The the special effects thing at Science Works here oh, in yeah. Melbourne. 
Yeah, and we actually found the old video that we had. The old VHS. With Ernie Dingo talking to you in your fridge and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're trapped inside a Vegemite thing. <laughs> probably nine years old. And so, oh, that's that was ripe for comedy. Yeah. That was ripe. So, this yeah, hunting most... through old, old stuff like that's always a goldmine. This is the most Australian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Just get on board, Paul. Get on board. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, so it... It sounds incredible. It sounds so fun. Um, was it really challenging trying to find someone to partner with you to get the tech done and, you know, to sort of understand the vision and, and how much of that collaboration started to evolve based on that relationship and what, what sort of options they gave to you? Yeah, it's, it was super interesting the way it developed. So um, Jared first came on board as director for our second show. So we'd already had the script written and it was done. And then he came in and, and helped, you know, polish it up. And then I think he did a few little AV things yep. here and there. Um, and then when we started work on the show for the following year, it was from day dot. So that was a real point of, oh, well, now we know we can have visuals, we can have this video, we can do this stuff. So it really does change the way you think about the shows because our first couple of shows were really very personal stories, very dialogue heavy yeah. um, of just us talking about our video gaming history and growing <laughs> up playing games and, you know, Counter-Strike taught us this and Half-Life taught us this and <laughs> Red Alert taught us this and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then as we've gone on, we've sort of shifted away from video gaming stuff and have broadened out a bit more. Um, but, yeah, it's just every year you start working on a new show and we know what Jared's capable of. Um, so it's really collaborative now, which is really fun. And yeah, so Aiden and I sort of write the, the, the most of the script, but it's super collaborative in terms of the jokes and bringing it all together. Yeah. And I think it's also really good just having that, like, obviously me and Josh being brothers sort of have that connection, but having that outside eye, that third person to really go, yep, that, you know what guys, that doesn't work. (laughs) That is way too much of an injury. It does. It does. This this happened in the Porter household. Um, But having that extra person there to sort of reel us in when we need to, and and someone that goes, you know what would work great with this is there are things that we just don't think about in terms of that level of, of technical capability. Mm. And suddenly you've got this person going, Oh, actually, you know what we could do? We could rotate the camera 360 degrees and do an aerial shot of a Tetris game. And we're like, can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's absolutely amazing. So this evening we're talking to uh, Josh and Eden Porter because, of course, it's the start of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And we're having a chat to them about their awesome sounding new show, Escape to the Megaverse. Everyone get on the internet and, and get your tickets. So uh, Josh and Eden, I was really curious, obviously technology just in and of itself, that huge umbrella term is fraught with both magic and completely demoralising moments when your systems <laughs> crash or you smash your phone and all of a sudden you can't remember anyone's phone number. Um, how do you guys keep a tally of all of the awesome technological things you can roll? Uh, do you have a Discord server? An Evernote file. <laughs> how do you build up these wild tech ideas? Jared tends to drive a lot of that yeah. stuff, but but just on to your point before about oh, things not working. You're bringing up some <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so what was that, 2018? 2018, yep. If you want to tell that. Yeah, for 2018, <laughs> what was it, opening night? Yep. Everything's Comedy ready. Comedy Fest, you know what? We've got a packed house in there. We've triple-checked everything, and we go to turn on the screen, and static. And it it was literally the worst feeling two, in the entire world. Two hours earlier, everything was fine. <gasps> And then it just died. And, and it's like, so much of the show is is based around that screen and based around the content. It, you, it, it's not just like a stand-up show where we could just go, oh, we'll just tell the jokes without a, a background. It's literally 
integral to the to the performance. <laughs> I would have vomited. And we couldn't, we couldn't go on. We had, to, we had to go out the front and say, look, yeah. unfortunately, this show does not go on when our HDMI cable. <laughs> <laughs> we have backups now. Have backups. Oh. And that's, that's the biggest thing for us. But just I, be prepared. But I think, yeah, yeah tech, Jared drives a lot of the tech stuff. So he's definitely got his finger on the pulse for, because we use OBS and we've used OBS and stuff, particularly the last oh, couple yeah. of years going online. Um, there was a lot of cool stuff that was done. And, yeah, just... Jared's totally, and we're all sort of techie and into that stuff. Yeah. Um, we all sort of follow the culture. Um, but Jared definitely is the more technical minded of us that um, definitely a lot of it is just personal fun to oh be like, gosh. oh, here's some cool stuff. Like this sounds awesome. Maybe we could put it in our show, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, really so, pushing the envelope to see what can we do further. I think each year we come up with a new idea that will sort of push the tech from the year before. So the year before we had, um, we did a full uh, Jurassic Park <laughs> ride that we that we made, that oh we recreated. Oh my God, with I all love the it. Light and it was Jurassic Park, Park Adventure, Adventure, The, the ride, ride, The Stage, stage Show. show. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, and that, ended, um, that ended literally with a camera popping down from the screen and taking a live ride photo of the person <gasps> that was on the ride that we could then That's put up great. on socials and they could keep themselves. So you go from that and then this year we're trying to we're trying to push the envelope even more. Live, live video feeds the one this year. Yeah, so oh, we're yeah. trying to recreate create a, a live 90s sitcom we're going to film it in the room <laughs> so we've got this great concept of um using uh the the audiences some of their phones as actual camera feeds so then this the the on-screen what's on the screen is that literally and we can cut between which camera we want for close-ups and things like so that so that's using i think obs ninja it's got mm, a particular yeah. thing for doing those calls and we we use them a lot the last couple of years um when we did a lot of the online stuff because um, our show we did in 2020 at Fringe was called GB24, which is our, our take on a, a fake news channel. And because we were in lockdown, I was in my bedroom in a green screen. Ed was in his bedroom as a green screen. Jared was here coordinating it all. So we were digitally brought together at a news desk, interacting with each other, talking to each other. And it got to the point where so many people who watched that show were like, uh, you can't really tell you guys aren't just sitting there. Yeah. Like, it was really cool. <laughs> So I want I want to I want to kind of build on that, and I just want to ask, like, you know, what's the dream tech project? I mean, the, for me, the big performance one is you remember that big holographic ball that someone DJed inside of, and yeah. it was like <laughs> ten stories high. Like, what's the dream? If money were no object, if ideas were no object, if building was no object, what would be the dream show? Real yeah. dinosaurs. Because the very first show we did. We had a lot of slides and you have literally the slide projected with the crappy screen held up on a chair. Oh, yes. kind of and we've evolved so much since then. So I think one thing that we've sort of spoken about is just a full, the, the whole, whole back wall being an LED mm. multi-panel system. And then you can do real life-size stuff that is just the whole, yeah, the whole back wall, which would be super cool. And I guess if money's no option, yeah, a holographic Alan Grant from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> would be amazing. Why don't go hard and ask for the T-Rex, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much. You've been uh, you've been listening to us on Triple R with um, Game Boys Comedy. Um, you can book to see them at www.comedyfestival.com.eu slash 2022 slash shows slash escape to the megaverse. I was going to say, just before we go, yeah. um, as an offer for your listeners, uh, we can do $20 tickets. If you use the promo code CHEAP, you'll get a $20 ticket. <laughs> That's going to be way too hard for people to remember, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, we're at Game Boys Comedy across all the socials if you want to uh, check out any of our work as well. Thanks, guys. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you so no much, guys. Have a good night.
Cheers. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. We thought we'd uh, take a little look at the budget, so we've thrown Paul out. Get out, Paul. All right, now we're ready. (laughs) Excellent. Um, So having a look at the budget, you know, Usually the, the mainstream media coverage is very who's a winner, who's a loser. Here's a bit of a, a user scenario. If you're a family like this, you're a winner. If you're a single person like that, whatever. I don't really buy into the winners and losers thing, but I did want to use the ABC's great budget categories to really look at the big areas that they decided to invest in. So the first category was motorists and um, – While there's been a lot of chat about the government cutting the fuel excise tax in half for six months, and that being a great thing for all of us in this new world of expensive petrol prices, which, you know, I'm paying. Sure, I had Mm. to pay $2 a litre for petrol the other day. It certainly doesn't make me think that, great, the government's looking after us motorists. We're not winners. Um, And there's so many things that could be happening in the motoring sector around electric vehicles, for one. Yes, no Um, new funding. Yeah, absolutely no funding there. And... To show that, you know, it's not just people at your community radio station who care about these things, there was a study done in 2020 um, of Australian consumers by the Electric Vehicle Council which showed that 50%, uh, 56% of consumers would now consider pursuing, uh, sorry, purchasing an electric vehicle as their next car or they could easily pursue one too if they had an EV. <laughs> um, but And 68% of consumers want subsidies to reduce the cost of buying one from scratch. They also want more public charging infrastructure. They want um, subsidies to reduce the cost of installing home charging equipment. Really, they want to be incentivised to make the shift, which is expensive to make and which many of many other countries have done. And when we look at global progress in this space, EVs now account for about 25 to 5% of all new vehicles sold in developed countries. What's the case in Australia? Nowhere near that good. EVs account for only 0.6% of all new sales here. Um, We know that we're quite constrained in terms of the amount of models we get here. Um, There's so much that the federal government could be doing. Mm. And what we hear from all our reports is that um, the people making EVs will not actually prioritise making them available to countries like ours without those government policies in place, mm. incentivising them to go, yes, you do have a stable, you know, an accounted for market and, you know, you're encouraging consumers to switch. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, the, the thing that's a real travesty about this is that these massive budgets are, of course, a huge opportunity for um, seismic change in terms of markets and buyers and behaviour and all of those different things. And it sends a really strong signal to, for example, the manufacturers of EVs who, you know, can and do ship out to Australia. So this was a massive missed opportunity to, you know, seismically say Australia is on board, we're going to go for it. But it is the EV market is one of those things where if you don't have the infrastructure, if you don't have the charging stations, or if it's going to cost you 30 grand or something to put a charging station in your business or in your home, it's it's really untenable and they're still very expensive And it makes so here. much sense to spread the cost, share the infrastructure, this is the way to make the change happen. Exactly, because if, if governments get behind it, private enterprise will often follow and if they took a view of saying, well, look, we're going to do this but we'd like a commitment from industry for XYZ as well and we want to see you building it and doing this and doing partnerships with, you know, fuel companies to put these charging stations in, et cetera, et cetera, it, it could change in the space of a year or two exactly. enormously exactly. and it's just been Look to Norway. Dodged. Yeah, it's yeah. been incredible. 
Yeah. All right. One missed opportunity down. Uh, <laughs> let's go to renewables. Obviously, there's a bunch of tech powering our ability to tap into renewable energies and there's a whole bunch of different things. The government seems wed to hydrogen and, um, you know, there's lots of problems with that and if you're interested, go read Keaton Joshi on Twitter or Simon Holmes Court. They've um, covered it in so much more detail than we probably can on the show. Uh, they have um, have spent on their key climate change agencies, including the Clean Energy Finance Corporation and the Australian Renewable Energy Group Arena, both of which are tasked with investing in renewable or low emissions technologies. And the budget that they've allocated to that is set to decrease by 35% over the next four years. So at a time when you think you would be focusing on this more, prioritising Investing more, they're decreasing funding in that. They've also showed that funding will go to um, two billion, you know, from two billion a year this year to one point three billion, so down by 0.7 billion by twenty twenty five twenty six. It's madness. Yeah, and it's and it, again, it's similar to the conversation we had around the EVs, where the community sentiment for it is so incredibly powerful. You know, I crossed paths with a project last week where um, a husband and wife team had literally gone out and reinvented a plastics recycling thing, and we're now setting it up so that small regional towns throughout Australia could actually get together as a community, set up their own plastic recycling thing, and turn it into really cool little products. Community is doing it, doing all the work, and where's the big picture again yeah absolutely actually we're about to jump into recycling Mm. and there is a little bit of good news there which is great. So the government has put $60 million aside in the budget to fund better technology to recycle those soft plastics. So they're the things like your bread bags and chip packets, and they have been um, a bit of a challenge because they're a different polymer structure, more science than I know. But and also our hmm. external partners like China are increasingly refusing to take the volume of soft plastics <laughs> exactly. that we're producing. Yes. So we definitely need need some solutions there. So um, $60 million bucks has been set aside for, for your chip packets. Um, and that is part of the government's, you know, bigger $250 million recycling fund, which is designed to find new ways to make recycling more efficient. And um, a lot of that's supposed to be going towards um, advanced plastic recycling technology. We've obviously got such a problem with um, plastics breaking down partway, ending up in oceans, all those kinds or of things. Or in bloodstreams this week. But yeah. we'll save that for the science shows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Unpack. So, yeah. um, you know, onwards ho, the first glimmer of hope. In our, in our budget <laughs> review this evening. Yeah, some opportunities for innovators there. Hey, so in the cyber spying category, um, this is these are the ABC categories that we've decided to to lend. Um, one of the big spends is $9.9 billion for the Australian Signals Directorate over the next 10 years to bolster our cybersecurity intelligence capabilities. Um, I have no idea how far that amount of money goes. I can't conceptualise it. However, there's no doubt that cybersecurity activity um, and threats are incredibly um, – mm. I don't know, there's, there's tons of them, you know. Yeah, and evolving as quickly as technology and really, can and people can think up ideas really. And I, and I think it's affecting everyday people, everyday consumers, um, people in their businesses are probably realising how much more they're exposed to phishing attacks. It's, it's a really huge trend. So it's great that they're investing in that. 
They suspect that they'll see an extra 1,900 jobs created at the Australian Signals Directorate. Um, They'll include things like data analysts, computer programmers and software engineers. Probably pretty interesting work, pretty hairy sector. Yeah, and I mean, moving um, a little bit away from the cyber spying angle and into, well, what does this actually mean for me as a human being walking around? Um, There is um, a small business uh, option. So small businesses who've got a turnover of less than 50 million will receive a 20 percent uplift on their deductions for eligible expenditures for digital adoption and skills training. That's fantastic. Which which is brilliant. So that is um, get more digital savvy, train your team up, invest in some new good things. Um, and at least that's a really practical one. I think that's one that can get budget benefits into the hands of people quickly rather than esoterically yes, and in Canberra. that's a real winner. Um, we're yet to see much more in-depth budget coverage. You know, I'm sure that there'll be a little more um, things coming out for the tech sector. But in terms of the, the massive sort of buckets that they're, they're reporting on at the moment, that's as far as we got mm. with, uh, you know, a couple of hours of time to process <laughs> some quite dry documentation. I know, I know. And, of course, Twitter was absolutely chock full of hot takes about the budget, which made it very difficult to filter at all. <laughs> but uh, we might have a look at some other takes um, as they progress over the coming weeks. Absolutely. Triple R. You're listening to Triple R. We are by into it, and I've been allowed back into the studio um, <laughs> to, to let you know that Triple R presents Zoe Coombs-Marr and her brand new show, Dave, the Opener, the latest fiasco from the award-winning meta comedy mastermind. Um, the show runs from March 31st to April 24th at Art Centre Melbourne um, and is part of Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And if you are a Triple R subscriber and you'd like to head along next Wednesday uh, evening, you can visit the Triple R website, rrr.org.au, to enter the competition. We have one double pass to give away. Excellent. They're always good shows. Vanessa, what is going on in weird news? Oh, what's going on? Okay, very quickly, Apple TV Plus is the first streaming service to win a Best Picture at the Oscars, and they won it for a brilliant film called Coda. Um, If you haven't seen that, it's well worth finding out which of your friends have an Apple TV subscription. Um, Yeah, it's fantastic. All right, that's it. Snappy. We love Snappy. What else is going on in Weird News of the Week? Uh, if you are on Reddit, which does not have a Megan Nuke button, um, they, are, <laughs> they are bringing back their uh, April Fool's experiment, r slash um, place for four days uh, beginning April 1st. Um, for those of you who remember, it was basically a massive white pixel grid um, where Reddit users could place coloured pixels one at a time every five minutes collaboratively and make... An internet artwork, which we all know what that actually means. Like, we know it's gonna it's gonna get turned into an NFT yeah, this year, isn't it? Oh, you. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, that's the risk. Spoiler Vanessa, alert. I'm just putting Vanessa, it out there. Vanessa. Spoiler alert. Well, speaking of spoilers, you know, Dyson has made some headphones with a built-in air purifier, and they look bloody stupid. Is it meant to purify the air inside your ears? No, it's meant to. Well, it clips onto your face, um, and <laughs> you make it, it sound so appealing. Oh, it's the ugly. Seriously, Google image them. Listeners, they're dreadful looking, and um, they also don't have like a seal, so they don't. They're not even as effective as a um, surgical face mask or anything like that. You know, if there happens to be pandemic particles floating around, so uh, air purifier fail. Head, yeah, a bit of an air purifier fail, and it's ugly as pants. Wow. 
There's some sort of Robo Burger news here. What's going on with I this? I feel like last time I was on a show, we talked about the robot pizza. Well, the yes. robot pizza has evolved. There is now <laughs> a machine uh, in the Newport Centre Mall, um, which will make you a burger. Uh, as as the, the article I was looking at said, no one asked for it, but here you go. A robot can make you... <laughs> A burger. It just looks like a great big vending machine. I don't... I, don't I love vending machines. <laughs> <laughs> and I love burgers. We're at a, a really risky intersection for me. Vanessa, this feels Oof. like designed just for you. So, all right. Uh, all right. We'll have to look into it. I'll try and be critical. Um, a big thank you to our guests this evening, Josh and Eden Porter from Game Boys Comedy. The show Escape to the Megaverse is sounds on so in the fun. Comedy Fest. It sounds great. I think I'm going to rock up. Um, thanks to our hosts. We've had Paul Callahan, Ro Murray, safe and sound behind the deck looking after us. Thanks <laughs> to our Talks producer, Elizabeth McCarthy, and our podcaster, Matt Hall. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts. 